and also just kind of helping out with the more trail campaign for, for pearls and me, which is kind of an all encompassing brand campaign that we have that we started this year, just really trying to bring more awareness to stewardship and trail work and trail advocacy. And, you know, there's the, we have the 501 um, trail pledge, which is a part of the, that campaign. And, and that's basically 1% of sales and each state of mountain bike gear sales in each state will be donated to trail associations throughout all 50 states. And it, so it's, it's a, a kickback program that is something that, you know, like you're starting to see throughout the industry. And I honestly think that that like industry-wide is long overdue. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. If you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Episode 79 features Bryce Sherbach, a mountain bike storyteller. In this episode, we caught up with what Bryce has been up to over the past year or so. We discussed his Underexposed series along with his Sight Unseen series. Bryce also talks about his trips to both Oaxaca, Mexico, and Guatemala earlier this year. If you'd like to hear Bryce's backstory, tune in to episode 19 on the Trail Effect podcast. Support for Trail Effect comes from Giants Ridge and Ride the Range in northern Minnesota. Check out volumes 1 through 5 of the Range Report to learn more about what's happening in northern Minnesota at the Ride the Range Trail Systems and Giants Ridge. The value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for the Trail Effect podcast. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the Trail Effect with Bryce Sherbach. Today we have Bryce Sherbach. Bryce is a storyteller and a gravity-centric mountain bike adventurer. How's it going today, Bryce? It's going well, Josh. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Bryce, you're involved with a lot of different things, and we're gonna. this is going to be a pretty organic conversation, but I do have a couple bullet points here. One being your Underexposed series. That's a series that's been going on for quite a while, and it continues to keep going, and you continue to keep adding content, with the latest being Port Gamble in Washington. You know, how is that series going? And maybe give us a quick rundown of that and specific to that, more specific to the Evergreen Mountain Bike Alliance, which is a pretty incredible statewide advocacy group. Yeah, yeah, they are. That's, uh, I, I mean, there's, uh, you know, to, the series itself is, uh, I really love producing those. Um, it's, a, it's a Pro Zumi series. We started it a few years ago. And, and when we started it the first year, this year is 2022. So I was that to remind myself like what year it is. So I guess um, this is its third season. Uh, so it's, yeah, it started the first year was a pandemic year. <laughs> so I, I actually had a couple in the can before the pandemic actually really hit. Then, but I kept it going because it was actually monthly that year, which, which was a lot to, that was a lot of work that, that year. But the, the impetus was really 
to produce a self-shot series, you know, so, so from just sort of a nuts and bolts perspective, you know, being able to, to self shoot and self film, um, something at, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how high a level is sort of very subjective, but with some degree of, of sort of professionalism and, and production value is, is sort of one of the value, uh, ads, I think, I try to bring to the table when it comes to sort of my, my sponsorships and those partnerships. But I, you know, I just, I've spent so much time over basically a decade sort of telling stories. And, and I think when you do sort of destination pieces or just travel pieces, inevitably for me, uh, at least I always am just struck by the, the people that I get to connect with as much as the trails and, and I, I mean, I've been saying it for a while, but I just, I, I ultimately feel like, I mean, there's just so many good trails everywhere now and, and everybody kind of has maybe like something that, that they're a, the terrain type that might speak to them more, but I, I am more profoundly impacted by, by people, you know, more often than, than the trails. And so I just wanted to kind of go and shine a light on sort of different communities and do it in a way that you know, those, that first year of underexposed was pretty, pretty bare bones and, you know, just, just really kind of like tipping the cap to the advocacy organizations and just, and also just trying to show, you know, people that anybody interested that, um, you don't have to, you know, your trails don't have to be in Whistler or they don't have to be in Switzerland or, you know, somewhere in far flung, like, Patagonia for it to be really good and, and worthwhile, right? You can just, I mean, I live in Delaware, honestly. So it's, and, and I, we made one, one of that, that first year I did one on my, my, my local trails. Uh, so, you know, that, that's kind of the underexposed concept was born that way. And, and then, uh, cause it, you know, like I was working for pink bike at the time as well. And so we were doing these, this series called local flavors and that, that was like built around very big destinations most of the time places that had an infrastructure and like a tourism budget that where they were able to like dedicate tens of thousands of dollars to like that series for, you know, cause that was the cost of doing business with pink bikes. So being able to do like a, a smaller scale sort of, I don't want to call it a version of local flavors, but just a, like being able to talk about these places on a smaller scale that are still very worthwhile. And you're not, you just weren't necessarily asking for them to invest in you to tell the story like that, that shouldn't be the only reason you go somewhere is because they have the money to, to sort of spend on, you know, shining a light on their trails. And so, you know, the next year, year two, uh, it evolved and I did less, I did eight last year because doing one a month is just a lot <laughs> of work. And, uh, so last year I did eight, uh, but I started really wanted to involve a, a, a literal voice from each of these communities, you know, and not just have me kind of talk about them, but have them speak for themselves. And, um, and so, uh, that was, you know, and try to ramp up production value almost as you do with any kind of thing that you, you are able to repeat year after year. And then, um, this year it's, it's a real leap, I think for that series for a few reasons, production value. I, you know, I have, I'm only doing three this year and, and, uh, I just, the reason is one, I just wanted to sort of spend more time in each location. You know, the budget previously really only allowed for me to like go to a place for a day or two. Uh, so it was still like run and gun 
you know, from a, you know, filming perspective. Um, so, and, and I just, I wanted to be able to, to, to do the trails better justice, you know, visually and, and also just paint a better picture of the place around the trails, you know? And so that's, that's where we are with the series right now I'm doing, doing less, but spending a lot more time and energy on each video and incorporating uh, some really, really cool and engage, I think engaging discussions with, with different leaders from, from the communities that we're gonna showcase um, and, and really weaving them in and out of, of the video. So yeah, this year, the first of three was at Port Gamble in, in Washington. It's uh, on the Puget Sound, it's like 20 miles west as the crow flies from, from Seattle. But one, I just, and I just, I love the Pacific Northwest, you know, Vermont and the PNW are like the two places that like resonate with me the most, mostly just because of the dirt. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, most because of the dirt. Uh, although for, you know, for me, like I've just had this like, you know, almost like preternatural obsession with mountains and, and ocean, you know, or mountains and like large bodies of water. And yeah, so I've, you know, I just, anytime I'm up there, I've always, I always really enjoy like kind of looking across the Puget at the Olympic Peninsula and um, any, anywhere that you kind of have that combination, you know, there's places in BC and even up in the Northeast where, where you have those kind of mountains meet in the ocean. And so, yeah, I, I reached out to Evergreen, you know, at the very beginning of the year uh, and I ex kind of expressed an interest in, in uh, or told, told them that I was interested in, in producing something, um, producing one of these videos in their sort of quote unquote territory, you know, but that the, that the series is really built around um, not just good trails, but like the community's relationship with, to those trails. And so I asked them, I was like, Hey, what, what do you guys think would be a really good fit for this given like sort of the parameters that I had laid out for them? And they were awesome. Like they were really receptive to it. Um, you know, as you, as you mentioned, Evergreen is like kind of a powerhouse advocacy organization. I mean, they've got so many paid staffers. And I, in my opinion, like if you've got, you know, an executive director alone is kind of, I think, a good a sign of a healthy like mountain bike ecosystem. If, if you're if your local trail organization has an executive director versus just like a, a, a board president, uh, which is not a knock because most places don't. Right. Most places just they're all volunteer organizations and um but yeah to have an executive director is a good sign let alone i think they have like between all their sort of paid trail builders and different positions i think they have like almost a hundred paid staff on evergreen i don't know that all 100 of those people are like full-time salaried but that's that's pretty awesome and you know they're spread out across eight chapters in washington state and so yeah, they were receptive to it and they gave me a few places and, and, um, you know, like Leavenworth is high up on my to-do list, but I feel like the, given the, the sort of like idea of underexposed, not, not that it's underexposed means unheard of because that's not possible, but you know, Port Gamble, this tiny little, I mean, it's a pretty modest hill in the middle of the Puget is not a place I'd ever really heard of prior. And I'd heard of a few of the other spots and, and, you know, I'd seen some, things that had been produced from some of those places. And so I, I really liked the idea of just like going out into the middle of the, of the Puget and making a bike video and checking out trails. And as it turns out, like they're just incredible trails and that community, um, the Evergreen West Sound chapter 
is just so, I mean, like it's hard to describe how stoked they are on like this little slice of heaven that they have, you know, and, and in the video I talked about it, but it's not, you know, like you look around when you're in the middle, like Port Gamble, whether it's the forest itself or just like this beautiful little quaint downtown on the water. And, you know, you like, you look to the West and you see the Olympics, uh, the Olympic national park and like the super razor sharp jagged peaks, or you look East and you see Seattle skyline with like the cascades as this incredible backdrop. Um, you know, or if you look North, it's the Puget Sound and all these beautiful islands all over. And then, you know, Port Gamble itself is just like, you know, it's 550 feet tall. It's not, it's not very dramatic, but once you get underneath that canopy, it's just like the trails that they're building there are ridiculously fun. So I, I had, yeah, I had an amazing time getting to know those guys. They were really, really excited to share their story. And yeah, you know, I, I got basically what I'll be doing moving forward is like getting out to each of these locations reaching out to them about the trails that they'd like to see showcase, like maybe give me a big list and then I'll kind of narrow it down to just a, a couple that I think work best for, for video um, purposes and, and maybe show a little diversity within each network. So yeah, they, they, you know, they gave me the, the list and I checked it all out, which is like the best part of this process is just a day of scouting for like seven hours of just riding every single trail in a park. And then and then, yeah, I spent a few days filming it and, and having some conversations with those guys. And they're, they're also in the middle of building this big ride park, which is like a 112 acre parcel. And they've, I mean, like just crazy to see like on public land there, the, the size and scale of, of like their features and their progressive jump lines. It's just so good. And it's all like funded through grants and, and donations. And it's, it's just incredible what, what they're doing. So yeah, we kicked it off. We kicked this year's off and it was almost like a serious reset, you know, underexposed, like is, I think, uh, it, you know, that, that the episode this year got picked up a lot by a bunch of aggregator, uh, media aggregators. It was guest spot on free hub. And, um, you know, the next two locations will be Carabasset Valley in Maine. I'll leave there. I'll leave for, for a week to do that at the start of August. And then I'll go up to, uh, Quebec, uh, just outside of Quebec city. There's a few places that have gotten a lot of notoriety. There's, there's one place, Lac de Lage, uh, it's like Empire 47 trails. And uh, I've ridden there once before and it was really good. And they're, they're kind of like the, the place that's quietly crushing it while some other places in Quebec get more attention. So they're very excited to, to, uh, to have an opportunity to, to showcase their trails and, and talk about the work that, that they're able to do. So I'm excited about you know, the next two this year and, and I'm already kind of looking at 23. And, and trying to map it out as well. And, and, and yeah, make, make, hopefully tell some more cool stories about these places. Yeah. And you know, you said Port Gamble is 550 feet. Like that's, that's nothing really to sneeze at because you don't need a ton for really good mountain biking. Right. That's twice as much as I have where I live here and I love my trails. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other, uh, underexposed series that really spoke to me was your birds barrel PA, you know, that came out, I think it came out in fall of 2021. And it hit, I, I remember reading your article on it too, that hit your, uh, one of your barometers or one of your measurements of like riding, trying to ride all the trails within 60 miles of where you live, you know? And yeah. so that, that was another, that was another good one or one that really spoke to me. Yeah. That was, that was a really fun challenge last year. I think I got, uh, it was like, yeah, it was like my COVID challenge was to just like, you know, stay close to home for a good bit of 2020. And so or that was, that was a part of, you know, 
just a little thing I set for myself. But yeah, Birdsboro was really great. I actually joined, you know, I, I try to join honestly as many trail associations as I can, given the amount of traveling that I do. And, and I, you know, I make my living riding trails. And so, you know, even, even if a lot of what I'm doing is telling their story and, and trying to shine a light on sort of advocacy and stewardship and, and, you know, like the development of trails and community, like I still want to do a little bit more. So that's one thing I always try to do is just like, just buy a membership if I'm going to, to make, you know, to produce a media, but the, the Birdsboro trails are fairly close. And I'm actually, I have a really good relationship with a lot of those guys prior to me filming that. Um, and those trails are, are the best within a 60 miles or 60 mile radius of, of where I live. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's an easy decision to, to join and, and support them and, and, you know, try to get out there for some trail days. And, but we also, we actually did a story for free hub that will be out this fall as well. Uh, there's just that, what, what there, there, there's a, there's a lot, there are a lot of layers to the Birdsboro story and, and the, the work that's being done in, in Berks County, which is uh, where they are. So yeah, that that's a really interesting piece. And, and those guys are so rad and they're doing such good work and they have such a good attitude about it. That guy, that was the interview subject for, for that video, for, for that underexposed, uh, Stefan Kincaid is, yeah, he's, he's just got a really good attitude. And, and a lot of the others up there have, have uh, share, share the same kind of sentiments and, and mentality. Yeah. It's, and it, it was funny when you were talking about the Port Gamble piece, you know, I've written in my, I did write down a couple notes or things to hit on. And I wrote down two places or regions that I think of when I think of you, you and your work. And it literally says Northeast Vermont yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Loam. <laughs> Those two places have it. Uh, you know, so it's funny. That is, a, and it's funny, honestly, they're, you know, I, I was just, just recently last week in the, on the Oregon coast, which is like apex Pacific Northwest for me. And if you, if you look at the topography there and the type of trails and just sort of the things that those people are stoked to build, and then you go to Vermont and you look at the topography there and those types of trails and the things that Vermonters are stoked to build, there is, there are so many similarities. So it's probably a bit silly. I mean, it's almost like picking these two corners of the country that are I don't know, 3,500 miles apart, but at the end of the day, like they're very, they share a lot of similarities, which I think is probably why I love them all so much, but there, there are definitely some differences. I mean, obviously the, the, you know, the Oregon coast and the Pacific Northwest, uh, a lot of those coast, that coast range is on the ocean and there's no ocean in Vermont, but it's not like it's, you know, far from the ocean, but there, yeah, there's definitely some things that, that make them a bit different, but it goes back to the people. And uh, you've had a you've had time, Josh, right? To to ride in Vermont. I, re I remember you really I have wanted not to get to Vermont yet. Oh, not, not yet. Okay, not yet. There's a huge yet on that, and okay, I was actually planning on potentially doing it this year, and then some other trips came up, and I've traveled more than I probably could really or should be doing at this point this year. Mm -hmm. But both places are on my are really on my radar, and I've had featured people from Vermont, you know, from Kingdom yeah. Trails, multiple people, three yep. people actually from Kingdom Trails specifically. And then I had Ron Baker and a couple other people from uh, the Tillamook area. Yep. You know, yep. Pacific City. I, I listened to that. Yeah, it was great. 
You know, and, and one of the people that were actually on that show is a guy that lives here where I live, who used to live That's outside right. of Portland. Yeah. You know, and was a writer for Bike Magazine back in the late 90s, I want to say. You know, so those those two regions have been, I think, are incredible in terms of what they're doing. Yeah. From the outside looking in. Yeah, they are. And, and they're, it's, it's, it's just as good, if not better, once you get there. Yeah. When you get, if you get out to the, to the Northwest, you know, I, I would strongly recommend just driving up the 101 as well and just making that your route, even though it's not always the fastest. Very, very much worthwhile. And actually, yeah. And then Route 100 in Vermont won't get, it won't, that won't take you to the Kingdom Trails necessarily, but that corridor is actually both of those roads are two of the prettiest, two of the prettiest drives in the country. And there's some really good riding off of, uh, off of both of those highways. I think I, one day I want to, I want to like, I don't know, maybe write a book or do something about my favorite roads in America and, and have it, you know, built around the idea of where you can ride off uh, all this. Cause all my favorite roads have really good trails. Off you know, roads. there's a, one of my favorite roads and I don't remember the highway number of it, but it goes between basically, uh, it's off interstate between Frida and Moab. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it though. And it's not, you're it's, not talking about 70, right? No, 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 no. It's, it's two lane windy, okay. like, Cool. Like rural, like yeah. not something you would, I wouldn't have driven it had someone not told me to drive it. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is, it's one of those corridors that you don't drive unless somebody tells you to do it. Yeah. So, and that was, I was probably 10 years ago when I did that, but, and I, and I've done it a couple of times and it's oh, cool. pretty incredible. Nice. So, you know, in that Colorado river Valley, I think mm-hmm. is what it is in that area. Yeah. I was just, just out there in May. Yeah. That place is, is really pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about, oh, well, there's been quite a bit of talk recently about at least the Grand Junction area on this show, you know, with the Palisade Plunge that's recently mm-hmm. opened up. In mm-hmm. fact, I, the next show that comes out has got one of the builders from Palisade Plunge. And then the interview I'm actually recording in a couple hours after we record this interview has got uh, Greg Mazu, who is single track trails owner, mm-hmm. was contracted to build the Palisade Plunge. Oh, nice. So... So yeah, we've been talking about that quite a bit. We're going to change gears a lot right now. Sure, let's do it. Oaxaca, Mexico. Yeah. What do you think of when, you, when we bring that up for your, your March of 2022 Pearl Zumi Athlete Summit? Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that, that came, that, that, that week came on the heels of a week in Guatemala. And man, that was just, that, that was a really important trip, uh, the Oaxaca athlete summit, it was, you know, so, so my role at Pearl Izumi, I've been a, an athlete for them now. This is my fourth year, but, um, I'm two years into being an athlete coordinator as well, which is kind of a, a, a developing role for, for the brand still. And, and, it's, you know, maybe my fingers are in a few more sort of brand pots than just that, but it's still largely, you know, it was really around built around assembling a roster of mountain bikers that are not only proficient riders and talented riders, but also, you know, present themselves and, and sort of their sensibilities in a, in a very sort of mindful and thoughtful way. So it wasn't just, you know, because there's just so many good riders in out there, there's just, there's a lot of talent and there's, you know, mountain biking is just, everybody's getting better and better, faster and faster. Right. So it's not, it's easy to identify good riders. That's, that's, there's nothing to that. It's just, you know, for me, it was important to, to really bring good people that 
that are that aren't that aren't shy about you know like standing up for for the right thing and you know for pro zumi you know there's a heavy impetus on you know just being sort of much more environmentally progressive as a brand and and really trying to to do do business the right way you know being being a prolific manufacturer while still not coming at the cost of of the environment and of of you know things you know issues around representation and and similar matters you know you shouldn't shy away from that and so i've put together a roster of, of people that that uh that some of which i was already friends with and others i've just kind of been an admirer of from a distance and yeah we have we have a really cool cast of characters that i'm very proud of and so you know i, I as i've had plenty of other sponsors and i remember a bunch of years ago pivot did this the, uh, an athlete summit in phoenix you know really at hq but that was awesome i loved it we had a, an amazing time connecting with each other you know kind of disparate parts of the country and, and different people and slight you know a variety of sort of writing backgrounds and but for me it just really made made it feel like family in ways that the years leading up to that uh i wouldn't say like i was i felt like it was absent because i i just never paid much mind to it but after that you know it was good to connect with other athletes and it was also a really good way for us to connect with pivot as a, as a brand and it, it just it really solidified that that relationship so i i remember the impact that that had and and now that you know i have this role at pro Zumi, I, I you know last year uh i i was having discussions probably prior to even this time it was probably early summer where i was just like hey i think you know 2022 it would be really great if we could do something along these lines and so we were initially looking at you know we wanted to do it early in the year and given that that's winter in north america you know we our options were a little bit limited actually you know one of the places i was looking hard at was the oregon coast because you know honestly like their summers maybe top you know the, a lot of the trails at the on the coast the temps are typically like 70 degrees in the summer and the swing is not very big in the winter it's the highs are 55 to 60 in the winter you know like it's always just kind of gray and you know i love it it's, it's perfect for me and um, the dirt's always kind of heroic that time of year so you know it it was actually something we were looking hard at but one of the new athletes we brought on this year is a, he's a he's kind of like our probably the most high the highest profile rider we have i think is mark matthews um out of bc uh you know he's free rider for decades and and you know like a, has worked with you know sterling lawrence and bruno long and is been a part of some pretty iconic mountain bike movies and you know then i think during COVID, really built his own you started his own youtube channel and has grown that pretty significantly over the last couple of years and so you know we brought mark on and uh mark's he's, he's an awesome awesome he's a super talented rider he's just a really really nice guy and yeah so you know we had some conversations and i i remember just it was just kind of in passing, like a passing remark or where somebody was like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're looking at the athlete summit. And he's like, oh, have you guys thought about like going to Mexico if you want to do it early in the year? And I hadn't. Uh, I just didn't want to like reach too deeply into the budget, <laughs> the pockets of pearls. I mean, but, you know, like I watched the eyebrows go up on on the kind of the higher ups that were on that conversation. I was like, Ooh, this might have some legs and it sure, it sure did. So yeah, we ended up in Oaxaca for a week at the start of March with, there were, we had a Sterling Lawrence was actually our photographer for a project. We, we did some filming while we were there. We had Craig Grant, 
who worked with Yeti a whole bunch, has produced a whole bunch of, of pretty high profile Yeti videos over the years. And, and then we had, you know, we had a, a, a kind of a, an official representative from Pearls and Me, Chris and Chris Burton. And he's, he's not, he's kind of left pro since left pros. I mean, working actually at a, at a, at a, at a marketing agency, but just nice dude. And then we had 10 athletes there and yeah, we just spent a week riding trails at 10,000 feet. Uh, it was their dry season. So, you know, it was very, very fast, loose, dusty trails, uh, during the day at, at altitude. And then, you know, we just ate amazing food and drank mezcal and took in as much culture as you can when we weren't on the trails, it was, it was a really very special week. And, and, and yeah, we connected with each other in a lot of really meaningful ways, um, as riders. And, and yeah, I think, I think it also just helped to drive home that connection, you know, for a lot of people to Pearl Zumi, you know, that, that, uh, having the opportunity to just do something like that is, is, is really special. And so that was, that was a lot of fun. And yeah, we had, we have a video coming from that trip, I think in mid August is when that's going to get published. So yeah, this just should be a lot of fun to, to share that with everybody. Although there's no, like, there's no mezcal shenanigans in it or anything like that, but the writing. You got to keep sick. it professional, right? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> at least, at least <laughs> on have, camera, fun, yeah. have fun, but professional, professional fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And some people would consider shenanigans professional fun, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. I think, uh, uh, <laughs> I think if we were like a decade, if I was a decade younger, it might've been a bit more shenanigans, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned pivot and pivot, you know, is one of your, another one of your sponsors and, and they do you do sight unseen with pivot, which was your Guatemala trip pre Oaxaca. So you spent a fair amount of time South of the border. You know, yeah, I did. That sounds that, pretty incredible too. It, it was that honestly, that Guatemala trip was one of the most magical adventures I've ever been on in my entire life. You know, and that that sight unseen series. Uh, actually, I have a, I'll be uh, chatting with with Pivot today uh, after after we're done this. Um, and and one of the things we're we're doing is kind of talking about twenty three and and twenty four and some some you know pretty pretty big plans and, and sort of growing the sight unseen series. Um, and the, the, what we did this year with Guatemala was, was one, well, that, so the trip itself was, was incredible. I mean, the trails, they're actually, we only, there's not a lot of purpose built trail there. A lot of what we rode and filmed on a lot of what mountain bikers ride there are, are sort of shared. I mean, like very different type of shared use. And, you know, we call shared use like for hikers, equestrians and, and mountain bikers, or, you know, occasionally, parts of like the West, you know, moto guides, but, uh, those are shared use because it's the, the those trails are lifelines for, for communities. I mean, Guatemala is still very much a third world country in, in a lot of ways, uh, in, in terms of just sort of like the economic, the economics of the country. And, and, you know, so, so they're using these, these footpaths into the mountains and, you know, between their irrigation and, and their crops and getting, getting, you know, horses and, and mules and donkeys like up and down the mountains to haul crop or to take, you know, a, you know, bundle of sticks from one location to another. And, you know, like that's, that's how they do. It. I mean, they have, obviously they have roads and there's vehicles, but there's not a lot of people that have cars or that could make, make use of, of those. So yeah, you know, using, using these, these trails, these super steep, very rugged, you know, high, high mountain trails 
to get from one village to another or to get from, you know, their, their irrigation fields to their home is that's, that's what they need. So, uh, you know, you have to, it just, it really brings a very different meaning to the idea of shared use kind of quote unquote. Right. So that, you know, being able to share those trails with, with them was, was just pretty breathtaking in a lot of ways. The landscape itself was unbelievable. And, and, you know, it's a third world country, but I'm, I'm telling you, there's there, I just, the people there, there was so much joy there. And it was, we were there at the end of February, early March of this year. And, you know, it's still very much, uh, I mean, I mean, currently the, you know, it's still technically a pandemic, right. But, you know, early this year was, there were still a lot, kind of a lot more questions than we have now about the exit strategy. So there was apprehension in a lot of parts of the world and, and there as well, they took, they took it super seriously, but there was still a lot of joy there despite there are sort of some of the hardships that, that, you know, at least the things that we would perceive as hardships that they have to deal with. And they were, they were just so happy. Like they were so stoked to sort of share, you know, that people were, you know, somebody like me would come and visit and, and just be so blown away. And they were just so proud of their home. And it's clear that there's just a lot of pride there and, and it's beautiful. I mean, you know, Antigua is, is a world heritage site for a reason. It's just stunning. It's hundreds you know, there's architecture that there that's been preserved and maintained for half a, you know, half of a millennia. Like it's crazy how, how ancient some of that, some of those places are, but how beautiful and colorful and vibrant they, they still are. So, you know, and then being able to ride down the side of a, of a volcano is, is also, I mean, you could do that in uh, many parts of the world, but you know, they, they, they look like the kind of volcano you drew as a kid. So yeah, it was, it was sweet. And, and so, you know, aside on scene, this, this was the third year we did it. And in the previous two years, we kind of did these like, you know, run, like two filmers and myself, and we, we really wanted to like, to, to capture a blind run, you know, in, in a day. So they were, they were, they were rushed out of necessity and, and they were, I was really proud of them. But I remember thinking after last year, like we just, I was like, man, there's just a little, there's something that's missing. And, and I, you know, a lot of what I do, especially like the work I, 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 you know, when I was, especially when I was like knee deep in, in local flavors, like you go somewhere and you have to do a, a POV for the video element of a local flavors. And a lot of times I would say 50% of the time, it's just like, all right, I've never seen this trail before. Let's just go, you know, like we'll do the POV and hopefully I am fast enough to make it look interesting. And, uh, you know, and I, I just, I love riding. I just love riding blind i just think that there's a you're just so present and in the moment when you're doing that you know versus riding a trail you've ridden 150 times you know you can you can go on autopilot on trails sometimes and and you can't do that if you're if you're pushing yourself not just like kind of sitting and cruising but yeah you know like if you're really engaged with the trail and you're you're not not that you, not that it's the fastest, you'll certainly ride it faster than where you get to, to know a trail, but yeah, it's just, there's just nothing like it. I just, you know, you only get one shot at it and you know, it, it's uh it's a really special part of mountain biking for me. And, and it's probably my favorite sort of headspace to be in on the bike. And that's, that's what we wanted to do with this series with sight unseen is, is really to celebrate that and, and encourage people to do that. Not, not try to like, you know, go race pace every single time they're on a new trail, but just, just get to that, that flow state, right. That, that, that presence of mind. But I, I just, you know, I, I was 
pretty stoked with how the series had been going, but I, I still just remember thinking like, there's always, there's should always be room to grow. And there's, you know, like you never should never be fully, fully satisfied. At least I've never been fully satisfied with anything I've done, but uh, yeah, we, you know, I just, I, I remember talking to pivot and, and, and Ellery at pivot. And I was like, Hey, listen, I, I, we, we've been like kind of stressing this, like first run one day, one trail, like, can we, what, you know, I feel like there's this cultural immersion element missing and like this sort of this sense of adventure that comes with just being in a new place, let alone riding new trails. And I wanted to breathe more adventure into it because that's the heart of the, that, that for me as well as like that headspace on the trail, but also just being in a new place and like the inherent adventure that's a part of that. And I always kind of felt like that was the missing ingredient from the previous few. And so we, yeah, we decided to, we don't need to do a whole bunch of locations with this one. I just, we're going to spend several days in a brand new place and just sort of tell more of that story in addition to, you know, trying to capture, capturing the, the riding and, um, that kind of relationship that you have, have with the trail that's new to you. And so, uh, I really feel like we, we did that much more effectively with our Guatemala video than with any of the other videos. And so that's, that's kind of the, the recipe I think for, for me in this, this series moving forward is to, to really breathe it as much, let as much adventure into the, into these videos as possible, not just have it be like, you know, hyper kinetic pushing myself on a trail and rushing you know, shooting from the hip type of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And we've obviously exposed that you travel a lot. Yes. And you have a full family and I mean, full family. Yeah. (laughs) Three kids between ages 18 months and seven years. Yeah. Yeah. What are some, you know, one of the things I've done more this year and it's, you know, it's been a few years since I've been able to do this, but I've been able to travel at least monthly personally this year. What are some of the things that you found as like efficiencies or kind of like some things that make, you know, that you find helpful when you're traveling? And aside from going to Guatemala and Oaxaca and places outside of the lower 48, do you typically fly or do you drive? Yeah, I, I uh, drive. It's probably 50-50 split. I prefer driving. I, I just get so I honestly just get so bored on planes. I, I, I like suck at flying. Uh, I just, you know, I, I just have a hard time flying. It's not, I have no fear of it whatsoever. Uh, even like, you know, wearing a mask on a plane and stuff like that, but none of that stuff is troublesome. I just can't stand sitting in that seat for you know, however many hours. And I, you know, typically it's usually a cross country flight. So I, I rarely am on a plane for anything for less than like five and a half to six hours. I just lose my mind. Plus I, connections. Correct. Yeah. And I, I had a bunch of connections on this recent flight back for some reason. My, anyway, I don't want to get bogged down. I just, but they lost <laughs> luggage and it was a pain in the butt. So uh, I do, I, I try to drive as often as I can, you know, but it's, it's not like I have a, a work truck and a personal vehicle, right? Like it's one and the same. So it's a lot of miles and it's a lot to put on my truck when I'm driving to across the country two or three times a year. So yeah, it's a, a little bit of a balance you're trying to strike there. Um, you know, when I go to Vermont or the Southeast, it's, I mean, I can be in Vermont in five hours, so it's not a big deal to drive that. I'm, I'm pretty good with that, but yeah, I've definitely gotten adept at, you know, I have a little truck fridge and things like that. And, uh, to, to really just be pretty as dialed as I can be. Um, and I will say <laughs> I have my, my stepmother works for Marriott 
So I've got a really cost-effective way to, to, to sleep fairly comfortably when I'm on the road. But yeah, I mean, as far as traveling with family, you know, honestly, like the, the travel logistics are not much different as far as packing or anything like that. I mean, you know, flying with your bike, I've, it is, that's just a necessity for me. It's not like I, I can't, I have sponsors and it's not just pivot. It's like cockpit and the wheels and the tires and all that stuff. It's just like, if I'm going to be seen on a bike, like with, with like any kind of media, then it, it needs to be my bike. And, but, um, honestly with, with the family and, you know, with my wife, she works full time as well. I mean, she's honestly the, the breadwinner. Like it, it is, it's a mountain bike industry. I'm super happy to, to make a, a, a sustainable living riding my bike and telling stories, you know, but certainly like my wife works really hard works and she has, you know, a full-time job. Uh, and, and, and so there's no, like, it's not like, uh, she can just chill while I'm traveling. So for us, it's about trying to, to plan ahead as best we can. Um, we've gotten pretty good about just sort of getting into a really good rhythm. I mean, she, it, one, it just wouldn't be possible without her support right and just being being willing to to be with somebody that has a job that requires i mean i live i'm probably the only professional mountain biker in the state of delaware so it's you know if i lived in another part of the country maybe i'd be able to just do a lot more from home you know uh but unfortunately well not unfor i mean i'm stoked to see different parts of the world but yeah that it obviously means there's a, an inherent amount of travel involved if i'm going to tell interesting stories on the bike because the options are limited around me. So, uh, you know, we just, we've gotten into a really good rhythm because we've been doing it for, you know, I mean, we started it before we had our, our first kid and uh, you know, that it, it's just, we're, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty good at that. At, you know, just talking and keeping a calendar between us and just an open line of communication, you know, and, and quite honestly, uh, I've, I'm traveling less this year. I mean, I've got my, like I said, three kids and the youngest is 18 months and our oldest just turned seven. And, and I will say like, I, I, I miss them the second I leave. Like I, I start missing my kids a day before I leave. I, you know, like my, the way my brain works, it's like, I'm already like every, no, ma no matter how many times I travel and um, you know, I've taken several, usually like twice a year, I'm on the road for like two to three weeks at a time. And then mo most of the trips are in the one week range or whatever, but yeah, it's, it's, it's uh. I, I, I miss them when I'm gone. Uh, and I know it's, she's super supportive, but I know it's still always going to be challenging no matter how much we've, we've prepared for it. So I've definitely tried to travel less this year. And quite honestly, like I'd like to travel a little bit less next year, just, just because I really like hanging out with my family. And so, you know, being a bit more selective about the projects I'm taking on and, and trying to, to, you know, for a long time, it was a, it was just like, I never, I wouldn't, I never would say, and it never was like quantity over quality. I, I always wanted to, to do really high quality things. It just sometimes the reality is when you're doing a ton of stuff, something's going to give, right? And so some projects were not as strong as I would have preferred them to be. And, and some were, you know, some were always, I feel like pretty consistently high, but you know, that, that wanting to travel a little bit less and, and ratchet that back is twofold it's i want to hang out with my family a bit more and now that my you know my oldest is is a, uh, an elementary school so it's not like i can just take them with me you know it used to be you can just take a, a week you know have more i could take a week off work or whatever or, or work remotely for a week or a week and a half and 
four-year-old just kind of chill with us. But now it's like, all right, well, we're kind of beholden to a school schedule and a school year. So that it's just crazy. All the, the different things that kind of the dynamics that change with, with having a kid, with having kids and raising a family. So, you know, I, I want to see them more, especially at this age and this stage, you know, where they, they make it known that they're sad when I leave, which hurts, it stings. And then also just wanting to, to, to focus, you know, put more eggs in less baskets. Do you know what I mean? As, as far as oh, the yeah. output goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I, I, I'm always, I'm honestly more motivated than ever to work hard and to, to really do things in a meaningful way. It's just, I'd rather, you know, like you only have so much of you, right? You have so much bandwidth and output that you, you have. Uh, so, so I'd like to, to really focus those, that, that effort on, on fewer projects so that each of those projects are, are that much more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear you on the flying bit too. You know, I was, I went to Park City, Utah in middle of June and I was torn. Do I fly or do I drive? And I ultimately settled on driving because one, it looked like the airline industry was starting to become a small scale disaster. And it's like, I, I'm going to spend almost as much time, granted it's a long drive. It's, it, well, it's 18 hours from, you know, Park City to where I live. And it's like, well, I, I'm going to spend the better part of a day driving or flying regardless. I might as well just drive and ride somewhere on my way there. Yeah. Uh, that's what, that's, that's the move I think. Yeah. And that's what I, I ended up. I ended up stopping halfway and riding in uh, rapid city, South Dakota area, which was a place I'd never ridden before. And it, it mm-hmm. broke the trip in half and it was, it was perfect. But yeah, I was curious to know, you know, obviously you're, fl- you're flying when you have to go far, but it's to me it, from the outside looking at it, it seemed like you were doing quite a bit of driving too. I definitely drive a lot. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's what you did though, too. Like I, it's just an excuse to stop and ride and see different places. And so honestly, I'd, sometimes those stops, I mean, th- those kinds of stops before have informed projects and like, and stories, you know, down the road. So it's a, it's just a good way to see the country. I prefer to see it that way, to be honest with you. It's just some logistically, it doesn't always make sense to drive. Uh, yeah, especially being I, on the far east side of the country. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if I'm if I'm going out to the northwest a couple times a year, it's it would be a lot to That's drive that drive. every single time. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's and, and like for me, I can pack, I can bring a couple different bikes. Uh, I can bring, you know, I don't I don't have to worry just because packing all your your camera gear and your you know like making sure you're you know you've got your your batteries in one thing and and you know you've got a drone and different camera and different like all those things like when you're flying you know i've gotten pretty adept at at keeping that stuff organized but yeah it's it's just it's just a lot easier when you're driving you just throw it in the back and not have to sweat like how much anything weighs or paying yeah. hundred whatever bucks to fly with your bike well i know you have a meeting coming up here do you have anything any future projects that you haven't talked about or anything with Pearl Zumi or Pivot or any of your other sponsors or supporters or partners that you want to hit on or any quick discussion points? Yeah. Yeah. We have a, I actually just started working on a stands project that's going to support their connection initiative, which I know you talked to Chris Curry. Correct. He, yeah. he was the marketing director for, for stands and uh, he was, he's an awesome guy and, and, and he and I really, flush this series out. And, and then, you know, his gunner, who was his sort of like marketing coordinator under him is inherited Chris's role in gunners, Gunnerberg. He's an awesome dude. And um, yeah, he and I talked a whole bunch about, you know, the rollout strategy for it and 
um, yesterday. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a three location short film kind of showcasing and the, the connectivity between community and trails and sort of the, the, the personal motivations for advocacy and, um, and just how much reciprocity exists between trails and people, you know, how, how motivated communities are really good for trails and how good trails are really good for communities. Right. And how that kind of just, how that's cyclical and that relationship, you know, works and, you know, the three sort of, uh, Powell river, BC, Bandon, uh, like the South Oregon coast and fruit of Colorado. Those are the three locations. And so I'll be weaving kind of these narratives in and out from each location. And, and there's a bunch of good writing segments in it as well. Um, so that that's what I'm working on pretty much all of July. I don't have any travels this month. I'm, I, I, that's, that's like almost 400 gigabytes of, of footage and data to like organize into, you know, sub 15 minute short films. So that's going to take a lot of time and work. And so that's what I'm working on now. And uh, yeah, I've got a couple more underexposed to produce this year. And, and then my, just my work at, at ProZumi, you know, as an athlete coordinator, I'm just really proud of the athletes there. And, and, you know, I mean, they're just, I know you've had a chance to, to speak with, with a couple of them, like Sky and Brooke. Have you spoke with Annika yet? Annika I haven't Wade? spoke with Annika. Oh no. man. That was, she's, she's definitely on my radar. She's amazing. Uh, I'm more than happy to connect you. She's, I mean, they're, they're all, every like there's some, I mean, you know, this, like there's a million people that are worth having discussions with. Uh, and every, I mean, like the people on the roster, in my opinion, are all worthwhile, which is why I brought them on. Like, I mean, they're doing so many different things and, and some of them are, 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 are up to their chins and trail work and, and advocacy and stewardship. But yeah, Annika's about a year out from a pretty traumatic, traumatic accident, spinal cord injury. But my God, like her attitude, it, it, she's just one of the most, one of the, the most singularly inspiring people uh, I, I know. And uh, it's just what she's, what she has done in the way she's attacked, you know, life after this spinal cord injury and just, it's just the, unbelievable. And so, yeah, she's, she's rad. And, and I'm just, I'm really proud of, of, of everybody on that roster. So it's, yeah, we're kind of getting to, to the point where, we're starting to look at 23 and it, you know, if I can grow the roster at all and, and, and also just kind of helping out with the more trail campaign for, for pearls and me, which is kind of an all encompassing brand campaign that we have that we started this year, just really trying to bring more awareness to stewardship and trail work and trail advocacy. And, you know, there's the, we have the 501 um, trail pledge, which is a part of the, that campaign. And, and that's basically 1% of sales in each state of mountain bike gear sales in each state will be donated to trail associations throughout all 50 states. And so it's, it's a, a kickback program that is something that, you know, like you're starting to see throughout the industry. And I honestly think that that like industry wide is long overdue. You know, we've, we've spent so much time sort of celebrating like kind of bro culture and, and extreme everything. And, and I mean, like, that apex athleticism is rad, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's more important things in my opinion in mountain biking and, and in this sport that, that need to be celebrated and need, need a light shined on it. So, um, yeah, that's the, the 501 trail pledge is something I've helped to, to develop and, and facilitate. And so just rolling that out and, you know, we have a, a monthly Instagram live discussion with different trail associations as well that, that I'm, uh, heading up and moderating. And 
So it just the pros of me uh, role and responsibilities has, has been a, a lot of fun to take on. And I, my, my hope is quite honestly that it, that it grows, uh, you know, in the years to come. And I'm just very proud to, to represent that brand as a writer and to be able to have um, an opportunity to, to, to help them in any way with, you know, branding and marketing and, and just sort of like getting their voice and their messaging out is, 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 is an honor. So that's, um, that's, that's a, that'll be a big chunk of the year as well. And of course, I'll be uh, riding my bike as much as possible as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you are a gravity centric mountain bike adventurer. I am. Yeah. That's probably the best way to describe it. The pivot site, by the way. Yeah. No, I I laughed when you said that because that's exactly (laughs) what it says on there. Yeah. They're just like, what do you do? I was like, I don't know. I like to ride downhill, but uh, I'm a storyteller. I don't really race anymore. And uh, yeah, that's what we came up with. So it's pretty funny. It's it's a bit of a hopefully self deprecating, like, self-aware joke, but, uh, yeah, that's also a pretty accurate description. Yeah, no, that's, that is really good. And I, uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Obviously we've uncovered that you have a lot going on between family and work, you know, and it's just, it's incredible to be able to catch up again. You know, for those that don't know, Bryce was also on episode 19 of the trail effect and you can hear Bryce's full backstory there to kind of get caught up to where we are today. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, Obviously I enjoy this content cause this is why we're in this world, you know, together and to really shine a light on what trails can do for people and especially for mountain biking and whatnot. So I really appreciate you taking the time today and, and this will, this will go out, I think on July 29th. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, man. Thank you, Josh. And, uh, I, I'm happy to chat anytime. Honestly, like the, like I said, the, the, the stories that you're, you tell and the people you talk with are very. I just think you're doing it the right way and, and I'm, I'm stoked and, and more than happy to be a part of it. But yeah, I love, I love that you're, that you're having conversations with, with people of all stripes and some of which, you know, were might be household names for mountain bikers and others like are very much out of the blue, but like everybody's got a really valuable story to tell and well, not everybody. Some, some people, um, you know, just want to ride and, get loose, but there's a lot of people out there that are doing good things in, in mountain biking and, and you're, you know, you're one of them, not just with this podcast, which is really great, but it's also like, I know how, I know how much you work for your own community and, and, and how much, how invested you are as an advocate and as a builder. So, um, yeah, man, I think it's rad and, um, I'm stoked to see you keep this going, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I really, I really appreciate it. And if there's anything that that goes both ways, if there's something that comes up on your end that you want to reach out and discuss, like don't hesitate to reach out. That's how the interview that's coming out this coming Tuesday is, you know, through my, a friend of mine, James, who is a trail builder out in Colorado. And he texted me one day, he's like, I got something we should talk about. And I'm like, let's do it. (laughs) Nice. And it was the trail, the, the, the standard of the trail rating system or lack thereof so I'm like, well, that'll be, that could be as controversial one. as clips versus flats. So you should do a round, you should do a round table discussion about that sometime, man. We actually thoughts. talked about that during yeah. the podcast. And I think we're going to try to make that happen at a future conference. Nice. Oh, cool, man. I look forward to that. So awesome, Bryce. Well, I'm really, I want to be respectful of your time and you got another meeting to get to. So thank you very much and enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much, Josh, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. Our next episode will feature Tom Pro, one of the founders and directors of Gravity Logic. If you like what you've heard, 
please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect Podcast. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.